0: Good morning, Christina promised that you would know what Protege Sunday was about before you left here. That's my job. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Felicia Larson, and I am the Director of Missional Communities and Protege, basically all things discipleship here. So I am just super excited to share with you about Protege today, and then you'll get to hear from some of our proteges this morning. So, Protege is a nine-month intensive leadership development experience here at awakening. We exist to awaken this generation to new life in Jesus Christ, and part of that awakening is also equipping leaders for the next generation. If we're going to awaken people, we've got to have somebody who's going to lead them, so that's what we do here. For nine months, these young ladies get to hang out with me. We've still got three left, so pray for them, Um, (laughs) but we, we get to hang out and talk about everything from What does it mean to be like Jesus? When God saved each and every one of us, it says we were predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And so in this process, that is what we do. It is a transformational process. Nine months is kind of strategic, right? Like it takes that long to birth something in us and through us. And so that's what we do. We take the time to talk through what does it mean to look and be like Jesus. We walk through the Gospels together. We walk through timeless truths and Proverbs together. Then we get into assessments, things like personality, leadership gifts and styles, and all of those things we talk about so that whether it's the marketplace, the mission field, or in the church, these people, these young people, are ready to serve and change the world for God. And that's what we do Sunday nights right now. um, We've been hanging out together two hours each week. um, And then throughout the week, there's a couple of hours of homework. They're memorizing scripture. They're coming back and sharing their hearts in group with me. Oh, my goodness. I have to tell you, I learn from these young people. They are so amazing. They help me to see scripture differently from a different generation, a different vantage point. It is such a gift to get to lead them and to get to be with them. And I just, I want to just say that there are some amazing minds. I know people say a lot of stuff about millennials. Anytime anybody starts around me with anything negative, I'm like, you can't say that around me because I know some really awesome warriors for God that are in the millennial generation. And that is what we are here to do is to continue to lift them up and to put wind in their sails. And that's what they do. Yeah, you can celebrate that right on. Yes. Yes. Yes, millennials are worth investing in, and that is what we do, because we believe in you. We believe in you. That's why we're here. And I just want to also say, I do not do this alone. I do this with my co-lead, Annie, who has been just a rock star, has been a a person that all of our ladies and our gentlemen can lead on. And she has just been leading so well right alongside me. And thank you, Annie, for stepping into this crazy journey with me. Um, Also, we have mentors. Each of our young people gets a mentor. Thank you to our mentors who have come alongside, have blessed, have prayed for, have walked with hard times this year. We have had a lot of spiritual opposition in this group, but we have been leaning on our mentors. They have been loving us and praying for us, taking people out to coffee and dinner and just hanging out at their house with them. It has been such a blessing to partner with each and every one of you. Our staff has poured into them, listening to their talks that they're gonna to give today, and I just, I'm just i just so grateful to be part of a community that invests in young people. It's why I'm here, it's what I love to do. I'm just checking my notes to make sure I'm not forgetting anything. And um, some of the other topics we cover in Protege, I'm telling you all this so that if you ever want to know what's going on, you can come and check with me, but also too to be praying for us. And if you feel like this is a process you want to step into, please email me Felicia at awakeningchurch.com, or you can go onto our website. But we cover topics around evangelism. We look at the arc of Scripture, looking at what in the Old Testament is played out in the New Testament, what in the New Testament informs our understanding of the Old Testament. We look at, um, like I said, evangelism. Yes, we talk about. Um, Just how to care for the soul of a leader. I mean, when you're in leadership, we don't want to burn people out. That is one of my biggest things. And so how do we care for our souls? How do you Sabbath? All of those things. But most importantly, how do you change this world for Jesus with your life and your story? And that's what brings us to today. So we also do this thing called five-minute talks, which everyone gets this, like, really glassy-eyed look when we say five-minute talks. I'm going to have to talk in front of people. Well, yes, because leaders, that's what we do. Whether it's an announcement, whether it's a small group presentation, or it's the opportunity to sit on stage and share your story. So this January, when we were going through what it means to be a speaker as a leader, we I asked the question, what is the story that God is telling with your life? And Angie and Marla have so graciously Agreed to be up here today, not because they had the best story or not because they did it the best, but because their stories so dovetail so well together. Great bookends to what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus. And so with that, I'm going to turn and ask Angie if you would please introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about what you do here, and then what is God, what is the story God's telling <clears throat> with your life?
1: Yeah. Um, hi, guys. My name is Angie. Um, a little about myself first. Um, I'm currently a preschool teacher in Los Altos and uh, it's a lot of fun. I love it. The children's laughs give me life. Um, but yes, yeah, so I've been coming to Awakening for about a year now and uh, I'm on the welcome team. You guys probably see me outside holding signs and welcoming you guys. And yeah, I help with, set up with uh, communion and tear down and yeah. And so I think uh, the story that God is telling with my life, is that it's never too late to come back to God. And so, let me tell you why. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, and so that meant uh, church every Sunday, uh, devos, small group, I was even a small group leader, and um, I did all the motions, but it really kind of just felt like a chore. Like, I did it just because I felt like I had to, and it just like felt like the right thing to do. And so then, um, when I went to college, like the place with no rules, I decided I wanted to like drop all of this. Like I didn't want to be held back by these rules anymore. And uh and so that's what I did. I I partied a lot, I drank a lot, I did uh, a lot of drugs and um and yeah, so we would do things like drink the night before our midterms and uh we would celebrate being done with midterms by drinking more and and so uh, I, senior year of college, I, like, started blacking out a lot. And if you guys don't know what that means, let me enlighten you. <laughs> so blacking out is kind of like um, your memory of the night before. is like, completely blacked out. Like, you don't remember anything. And, uh, and so it's, like, really scary because, like, for me, it's, it's not that I, like, passed out somewhere. and like, blacked out for the rest of the night. It's, like... I like went through the whole night and I was like a person. I was basically like on autopilot the whole time. And so that like scared me. The first time I blacked out, I woke up. I was like, oh my gosh, like what happened? And, uh, and it's scary because I, I like started feeling a lot of anxiety because like I don't know what I said to people. Because I, I had real conversations with people. I don't know what I said. I don't know what I did. And so it was really scary. But it quickly became just like part of who I was. I like started blacking out like every time after. after basically. And uh, it became like a thing. Like my friends would like joke around and always be like, so Angie, what do you remember from last night? Because they knew I never remembered anything. And um, yeah, so then at some point, I started noticing like a hole that was like starting to form in me. And then it was very really slow, but um, it was definitely happening. And, um, and so I would like try to fill that hole with like worldly things, like getting good grades or like parties I went to, or the number of friends I had, and like nothing really worked, until until I thought I found something that like really filled it, and it was like it was a relationship I had, and it was like this amazing relationship, and with that relationship I like felt the highest of highs I've ever felt before, but with that also the lowest of lows, and this relationship like, it quickly became very toxic, like we were tearing each other down, we found ourselves in this like vicious cycle that that we just like couldn't get out of. Like neither one of us could end it. And it wasn't until I found out that I got cheated on that it finally ended. And well, this is like a tangent, but like growing up, like watching movies and stuff, I would never understand like why people would try to get back when people would cheat on them. So I'd be like, come on, man! Like you got you like they you don't they don't deserve you. You deserve better. And like like. Like, there's no trust now. It's never going to work. But, like, when I was there, like, I definitely tried to get back together because, I don't know, when you get cheated on, like, it, it sucks. <laughs> like, it hurts a lot. And, like, to be cheated on by your best friend or someone you trust the most and love that much, it's, it's hurtful because, like, how much worth or how important are you if someone could hurt you like that, like, your best friend could hurt you like that? And And, yeah, so the next period of my life was definitely the lowest point in my life. So I just lost uh, my whole world, basically, the thing I centered my life around. And um, I was also a year out of college, and I still had no job, and so nothing to distract me, and I still had no, no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And so, at this point, I felt, like, extremely broken, and extremely worthless, and, basically felt like next to nothing. And so it's so at this point in my life the the lowest most broken part is where God still wanted me. And and so that like blew my mind because I thought I was like so far away from God that it wasn't even an option to come back to God anymore. And <clears throat> but he like took me back and he put my broken life and my broken pieces back together but like this time with him as my like never un- my my never failing like solid foundation. And yeah, so this time around like I chose to come back to God on my own, which is different than growing up cuz I was just always um I like had to do everything and uh, it just felt like a religion. Like I didn't know uh it's like a relationship with Jesus. This is what our whole thing is about. And so like learning is learning about it, it's been really cool. Like learning that it's a relationship and that you have to work at it and you have to spend time and and it's but it's like so amazing. It's so personal. It's so real. <clears throat> and yeah, so after that I started going to MC. I like started surrounding myself with like awesome God fearing people and and I made and I'm still striving for it to make God the center of my life, the number one person in my life which I think is a daily thing like he, like sacrificing your or surrendering your life to him every day. And yeah, so I think God knew that some of us would leave him to try to find more in life. But of course, that doesn't exist without Jesus. And so when we can't and when we can't find anything more and we want to come back like we we have that shame and that we have that fear of what what's gonna happen when you do come back. And so I wanted to talk about um, the parable of the prodigal son. And so in that parable, it's basically about two sons. Um, the younger one asks his father for his inheritance early. And so he decided to take his his uh, money and he left. And it says uh, he spends his wealth in wild living, which is like kind of what I did. Well, exactly what I did and And so he did he spent all of it, and he had he had fun and all that, but uh of course they ran out and uh and then there was a famine that went in the land, and so he like was starving, so he finally like realized that he should go back to his his father and so I wanted to read this is what he was thinking in Luke fifteen verse eighteen he says. definitely did not feel like worthy enough to be called God's daughter again. And because I, I consciously chose to leave God. Like I knew all the truths and I knew that Jesus died for me and I knew how much he loved me and I still wanted to leave and thought I could find more. And not only that, like not only did I leave, I like made a mess of my life. Like I made all the wrong decisions. I treated my body like poorly, I did all these bad things. And so who am I to think I can just, like, come back and everything will be back to normal? And um, so I thought there had to be consequences. Like, I I can't be that good. I thought maybe that I would never get as close to God again or that maybe God will never love me as much or the same again. And I thought there, like, there had to be something. But, like, there wasn't. There was only love, mercy, and grace, and just just a father who, who loved me so much. And, and, I, and I actually felt closer to God than I ever did before in my life. And I think the enemy fills us with these lies that we sinned too hard or too much. And for God to like ever want you again, or to ever want to use you or be with you, or that that we don't deserve to have our sins forgiven. Like we may believe it, but we just don't deserve it. And that it's too late for our lives. <clears throat> but I don't know, the enemy tries so hard to convince us of these lies and like why why is that? And I think it's because the answer is like really simple actually when it all boils down, that all it takes is for us to turn back to God and for us to just have the heart to come back and want to be with God again. And, and it says that he was running back to the sun. He's, like, running back to us. He's not just, like, standing there, like, waiting for you to, like, slowly come back. It's, like, he's running to you to embrace you. And, like, God has already forgiven us, and Jesus has already died for us, and he's never left our side. So our sin's not the problem. It, it becomes a problem when we let it build up and when we... Uh, let our shame like stop us from coming back to God. And I wanted to read verse 32, which is um, the father talking to the other son. He says, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so I wanted to leave you guys with this, that... As long as you're willing to come back to God and willing to give your life fully back to him, um, I promise that God will be there waiting for you, and he will be waiting with arms wide open,
0: waiting to celebrate. Thank you so much, Angie. I just want you to know that those are her words. That is her story. You cannot argue with her story. And if, that, if any part of that is your story, I want you to hear exactly what Angie said, that it's never too late. And I love your words. You've never sinned too hard or gone too far for God to take you back. Now we want to hear from Marla. Marla, would you take the time to introduce yourself and tell us where you serve and what story is God telling with your life?
2: Hi everybody. Um, So yeah, just a little bit about who I am. Uh, I'm a graduate from San Jose State, just graduated last spring semester with a degree in marine biology. Um, And I'm now interning with crew at San Jose State too, so I get to continue in ministry. Um, I've been a part of Awakening now for about four years, and this year with the um, opportunity of protege, I've been able to serve a little bit more in the church. Um, I've served, served a few times with the children's ministry as well as the Teardown team. Um, yeah, and I just joined Protege um, so that I could learn how to grow as a leader as well as become a bigger part of this church, so I'm blessed by that. Um, what I want to talk to all of you about today is about how God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And this has been a constant theme in my life as I have struggled continually with never feeling like I can meet the bar or like I'm the right choice. Um, Like there has to be somebody else or anybody else out there who would be able to do, you fill in the blank, way better than I could. Um, And in these past few years, this has played out in roles that I've been asked to fill with crew in leadership in mission trips that I have felt called to go on, um, being asked to be a disciple for girls, but never feeling like I'm the right person to be an example or a leader in their life. Even things as simple and small as being asked for advice by a friend, but feeling like I won't have good enough advice to really help them out. Maybe for some of you, this has played out in something like business projects that you were asked to take the lead on, Or a new job, (laughs) or a new job that you um, didn't feel qualified for, but were given. For some sports people in the room, this might relate to being asked to be a team captain and wondering why you were picked above the rest of the people on your team. Uh, For parents in the room, maybe you've fallen into comparing your parenting to that of others and are left feeling like you're missing the mark with your kids. Maybe at some point some of you have been asked by a friend to help them out and you wondered why they chose you above everybody else in their lives. I know for me I've struggled almost daily with feelings of inadequacy, taking on new roles and tasks but still all the while doubting whether I really should be. Even lately I've been asking myself why I'm called to be up here here on stage in front of you all. there has to be somebody else that would be a better speaker that could take this on instead of me. Because no matter how many times I can practice or revise this talk, I would still feel like there has to be somebody better. No matter how many times I've thought this, and after all, the things that I think about myself, and just feeling like I'm this small, inadequate girl with sin issues and self-doubt, God has never left me there. Through my life, He has kept pushing me and calling me into the next steps, even when for me they seem too high or too far. He has never once told me that I am not good enough to be used. So I want to go back to the beginning and repeat that phrase for you that I used God doesn't call the equipped, He equips the called. I see it time and time again in the Bible. God using the underdog to do his work or the outcast to spread the gospel and the young to lead the old. I want to give you a few examples of this that have come to mind. And the first is the story of Gideon. Now Gideon would be considered the least of the least. He was from the weakest tribe in Israel and he was the youngest in his family. But God came to him and told him, you're going to lead an army to victory and you're going to save your people now Gideon looked at God and he said how can I save Israel if I were to go and put that in today's wording I would say that Gideon looked at God and said I think you've made a mistake you have the wrong dude um, but God just replied with I will be with you Moses who happens to be a horrible public speaker kind of like I feel But God still used him and gave him a voice through his brother Aaron, and they went and saved their people from Egypt. We've been hearing a lot about David lately here. And David, he was the youngest in his family. He was a mere shepherd boy. And God sent him to defeat a giant that nobody else wanted to face with just a pebble and a slingshot. The last example I want to give you is of the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan woman, and she was considered the outcast amongst her people who were the outcasts of Israel. In all respects, she was somebody that was least likely to be able to make an impact for God. But God gave her a voice and a testimony to reach an entire town because he had given her something to talk about. As I view my life and how many times I have been asked to step into a role that I wasn't ready for. I see that God had either been equipping me all along to take on that role, just as he did with David, who first defended his flocks from lions and bears, which prepared him to take on Goliath, or God equipped me in the moment with either the words to say, the wisdom of what to do, or the strength to do it, just as he had done with Moses. What we have to realize is that as Christians, we have all been equipped for the call, We live in an equipping that we don't even take full advantage of because we don't choose to recognize it. What I am talking about is the fact that we all have the Holy Spirit, God living in us. He is the most equipped person that there is, and he's in you and me. This is the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, and that's powerful. When we look at the Scripture and the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, we see that it was the final equipping for the disciples before they could go and fulfill what they were called to do, which was go into all the world and to make disciples. We are given the same command. So do we not believe that we are also given the same equipping? Christ describes in John 14:15 through 17, If any of you love me, you will keep my commandments, And I will ask the Father, and he will send you a helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. When we realize this today, we should be struck by the powerful message that we are all called because he is constantly equipping us as we walk in his spirit. Now for all of you who have been called into a leadership position, God has already equipped you for that. He knows that through him you have the wisdom and the gentleness and the humility to take on that leadership. As a parent, you are the only one equipped to reach your children to help them grow in who Christ has made them to be. As I am growing and maturing in Christ, I do see God asking greater things of me than before. A year ago, I would not be up on this stage in front of you all, nervous as I am, but knowing that God has placed me here for a reason. Therefore, he's equipping me to be here. He is calling me to constantly dive further into my relationship with him, which strengthens my walk in the Holy Spirit, allowing me to meet his call in his strength and not my own. I can tell you with 100% confidence that I am not able to do anything good on my own. I've broken myself too many times with sin and (laughs) self-doubt. We are not able to do anything on our own. And I bet that at many points you have all realized that yourselves. But God has called us all. So he has equipped us all. So I want to leave you with a challenge this week to choose to live in the Holy Spirit who is equipping us daily for what God sets before us. Thank you.
0: So do you see why I love my job? This is, this is just so awesome. I love to get to do what I do. And I just want to say to each and every one of you in the seats, here's the bookends. You may be coming in here today with no relationship with God. That's the farthest you can be. And yet, his arms are wide open, welcoming you to back to him today or to him for the first time. Maybe you have grown up in a Christian home and you did the rules and you checked the boxes and you showed up at church. And then you're like, "Ah, I'm good. No, thank you. I'd rather have fun. And the hole is getting too big. Maybe it's time to come home. Or maybe God's calling you forward as a leader, and you're like Gideon. No, thanks. Wrong dude. Or maybe you're like Moses. Can somebody else just come with me? No, thanks. I'd rather not. No matter how insecure you feel, God has equipped each and every one of us with the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. If he can raise people from the dead, he can put words in your mouth that will speak life to people when they need it.